Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find counter-offer, and my offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini, and creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They got them! And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads gonna come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son. and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Oh, happy hour. What could be happier than 23 comics doing jokes for each other and at a radio listening audience? Puppets, kittens, unicorns, porn maybe? Oh, well, stage time makes them happy and this super happy comedy open mic is open every Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. But you can also listen anytime by downloading the podcast at Mutiny Radio FM Index at podcasts. It's Friday night. Yay! It's 8 o'clock. It's time for Pam Chastis Comedy Clubhouse here on Mutiny Radio. Yay! Uh, this month, it's September. Oh, did you guys know it's September 1st, 2nd, something like that? Oh my God, I can't believe it. Crazy times. Time is speeding away from us. Uh, and today's show title is uh, My Strange X. Oh no, leave the door open. They should come inside. Uh, my strange ex job is this week. Next week is relationships, and the following week is location. My strange ex. So here we are tonight. My strange ex job. We've all had some weird, fucked up jobs in our life. 
Hey, David, I hear, I still hear a little bit of music in the background. I can talk over music, it doesn't matter. Mm. I've had a lot of weird jobs. Uh, people, one thing they might not know about me is that I used to be a credentialed school teacher. Yes, I taught America's youth. People entrusted me with a lot, people still entrust me with the lives of children, but on a grander scale, they let me shape the minds of the youth from 97 to 2001. That's funny, that's when most of you guys were probably in junior high or high school. I could have been that weird art teacher you wanted to fuck, it's true. Uh, but I taught special ed. That's what I taught for four years. It was great times. And uh, I should have known the first year I was teaching that this was not the job for me. Uh, I was substituting in a class that's called medically, no, this was one of the med medically fragile kids. These were the, uh, they were 17 to 22 and they had IQs of like, you know, less than 60. They were sorting buttons and learning how to fold things. Uh, it, was, it was, wasn't a lot of teaching, it was more of a lot of babysitting. But I'm hanging out with all these uh, kids, let's call them kids, and I'm, I'm the teacher, I'm 21, 22 at this time. And uh, I've got two aides in the classroom, and I don't know what's going on, people are drooling, and I'm trying to just do my best. And this one kid is in the bathroom, and he starts screaming. And I'm like, this seems like a problem. Uh, I, I should worry about this. And I look at the two aides in the classroom. I'm like, should I worry about what's happening here? And they're like, no, 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 don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. So I go back to helping these kids like screw the tops onto toothpaste jars or whatever the fuck we're doing. And I hear it again. I hear screaming from the bathroom, screaming, Wah! screaming. And I'm like, this is a problem. Are we going to do something about this? And the two teacher's aides are like, no, 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 don't, don't worry about it. So again, a third time, screaming from behind the bathroom door. Wow! And I'm like, I, I have to check out. I mean, I'm getting paid to be here. I should see what's happening behind this closed door. So I opened the door, uh, and I saw the biggest penis I've ever seen. <laughs> it was about 17 inches. There was a kid with a very flat hair, flat head and long hair, and he's stroking his enormous cock and just laughing at me, just laughing and laughing. And I was like, this is the shittiest job ever. I'm getting paid $112 here today. And all I saw was this kid's enormous dick. It was scary. It's one of the, it's one of the moments when I should have been like, I should not be a teacher if this is what it's, if it's just seeing a lot of dick. Uh, it made me think about going into porn because I was like, I could be this kid's agent. I mean, it, this, this dick is never going to see pussy unless I get involved here and uh, help bring him to stardom because I didn't see what else he was going to do with his weird flathead and enormous penis. What is God doing? This is one of those moments where I still sort of believed in God and I was like, ah, ha, ha, what a hilarious sense of humor. Because he gives the guy with the biggest dick the one who's never going to see a vagina. I am his agent. Uh, I missed my calling there. <sighs> Uh, another, my very first job I ever had, uh, I was, I worked on a rabbit farm and not like the kind of rabbits that you eat, but the kind of rabbits, they were Dutch rabbits, people that like, like to breed rabbits for specific markings or whatever. And I cleaned, I got paid $15 an hour to clean this barn, uh, three times a week. And man, it really made me appreciate being a nanny because baby poop doesn't smell at all compared to, to rabbit pee. It's just the worst smell in the whole world. That was a terrible ex-job I had. Uh, I was also a wife for a while. That was a pretty terrible ex-job. I had to give so many blowjobs I didn't want to give. That was like the worst job I've ever had. 
I get paid a lot, though. I, I got to live in a big house and, uh, and go to Costco and spend $500 whenever I wanted. That was, was a terrible ex-job. It was um, good stuff. Uh, other strange things that I've done. I used to own a catering business. Yeah, I know. Uh, it was great, except that the only jobs I ever did were for all the people's baby showers that I wasn't invited to. You know what I mean? So, like, they'd invite me, but just because they wanted a deal on the catering. I was like, I don't want to hang out with you. Fuck you guys. You get married, you get gifts, and then you get babies and you get gifts. Like, I'm not, can I have gifts? What do I get? They're like, well, you're catering for us. And I'm like, this is, you're not paying me what I'm worth. Uh, the story of my life, <laughs> my ex. Uh, I was I was uh, in corporate America for a long time. I got snowed into doing that. I used to be a set designer, and uh, I wasn't getting paid very much doing that. But then I became a visual merchandiser for Ethan Allen. And at the time, I thought, wow, I'm the highest paid set designer I've ever heard of. And then after doing the job for two years, I was like, I am the lowest paid visual merchandiser that's ever visually merchandised. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to to value, you know, your worth when you, all you have is a vagina and you choose not to use your uterus. You know what I mean? Like when I was married, all my ex mother in law wanted me to do was have kids. That's the only job she wanted me to have. So for Christmas one year, I got one of those. You know, in junior high, when they have those uteruses that you can take apart, I decoupaged it in dollar bills and sent it to her in the mail. And I'm like, what is my uterus worth to you? I would have used hundreds, but I just, I couldn't afford it. You know what I mean? So I think, I think the point got across with the decoupaging the dollar bills on the, on the little uterus that came apart. Uh, hopefully, God. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I'd, I guess I'd, no, I would never have a baby for money. That would probably be the worst job I could think of. But I will touch baby dicks for money. I'll do that every day of the week. I love touching baby dicks for money. 23 bucks an hour to clean your baby schmegma. I'm in. I'm totally in. Don't circumcise. Circumcision, his choice, his decision. Just teach him how to clean his own penis. Uh, you know, I know. It's mo mothers are just so lazy. They just don't want to get into all the folds. I don't know what's wrong with them. They, I guess it's a job they're not getting paid for. I don't know. That's got to be. That's a problem is if you're a mom, you can't be like an ex-mom, you know, unless like your baby dies and then everybody feels sorry for you. They give you money anyways, right? Is that what happens when your baby dies? People throw money at you because they feel sorry for you. They're like, we'll give you a reason to live. Here, have some money. Uh, no, I have no idea what makes life worth living. It's certainly not having... <laughs> is it money? Maybe. Clearly not for me, because none of my jobs have ever made any real money. I've never made more than $36,000 a year, and I'm turning 42 this year. So, like, I'm, just, I'm always going to be beneath the poverty scale, I guess. I don't know. Isn't that scary? I have two master's degrees, and I've never made over 36 grand. Anybody got a job for me? <laughs> I, have, I have no real skills. Uh, I was redoing my um, resume, and I got to that special skills session, section, and I... Um, I put talking to cats, <laughs> and that doesn't, that people don't seem to think that's a skill. I, I talked, I'm a baby whisperer too. That's also not a, that's, you can't, they just think you're crazy. They're like, she smokes pot. That's also under special skills is really good pot brownies and cookies and, and weird little marshmallow treats, which are a true story though. Well, if props 46 goes legal, I might actually make some money because I'll start the pot break bakery I've always wanted to have. I know, making people happy one treat at a time.
Yay. I know. I wish we could all just um, do whatever we wanted that made us happy, and then there'd be enough money to go around. But, like, what am I talking about? This is America. <laughs> uh, when I was married, I used to be so pissed off because I'd be like, I can't make any money. And my ex-husband would say, well, if you did something you don't like, you'd get paid for it. So, like, people who sell insurance make lots of money because they hate themselves. And I was like, oh. I was like, if you decide to do something you like, you're never going to make any money because... You'll do it for free, right? So why would you? Hence why comedians never get paid, because you never ask for any money. (laughs) We're like, thank God we get to perform. (laughs) Wow. Money? This is a profession? (laughs) What makes a career, right? They say what the difference between a hobby and a job or a career is that you make money at it. What are we doing? Yeah, good times. Uh, All right, we've got a great show tonight. I'm really excited about my ex-job. Weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I I was going to say I've never had sex for money, but I was married, so I I actually did. That was, that's that's what happens. You have sex for money. Uh, You know what? Would I have sex for money now? If I wasn't in a committed relationship with my beautiful boyfriend, yeah, you know what? I probably would. I might be a sugar baby. I might give someone the boyfriend-like experience for $400 a month, right? If you only have to, you only have to do like one hour a week and give them like a, you know, it's good. It'll, it's ideal. All right, your first comedian on this show. Uh, I know some of his weird ex jobs, and they are weird. <sighs> I mean, I've heard, I, when I, okay, so when I used to do improv games, when I used to do acting or whatever, and God, I hate improv games, right? But they'd always do this one where like, you have a job, and you have to do your job, and people have to guess what it is, and one person in the class would always be like, you're the jizz mopper at a, at a, at a cum box, you know, like when you do, and I was like, who thinks of this job? But I guess it's a real job. I guess like it's like, the jizz wiper in the cum box is like an actual job job that people make money for at places like the lusty lady or the hustler club i don't know where they do this i i need to start watching more porn your next comedian has watched enough porn for me and all of us put together put your hands together for jason bonford yeah best introduction oh man does not kill future prospects with anyone else ever again um I did have a weird job, but uh, I'm going to start out with uh, before the job, like every before the job. I'm going to talk about job interviews for a minute, and job interviews are the largest amount of bullshit I have ever, ever seen. It is the only time when you and your employer are both sitting there wasting each other's time lying to each other. Like, your employer's going to ask you, right? Like, well, uh, what was the time where you feel like you really triumphed? Do you fucking care? No. No, you don't. I could have gone, you know, across the sea, solved world hunger, and you wouldn't be impressed. You're just expecting me to say, I work too hard. I care too much. I like to work long hours for less pay. It's bullshit. We're, si- we're shining each other on. All- and then there's always that, like, oh, well, well, do you have any questions for me? Oh, yeah, what's the job entail? Oh, no, oh, no. you mean, like, I, I can read the website. I, know- I already know what the job is. That's why I'm here, Craigslist. You told me what it is. I don't need to ask you questions. I'm here because I think I can do the job. And I'm only saying this because I have to give job interviews now. I was promoted. 
I'm a manager now. I am middle management. I have sold out. It's over, guys. The party is over. I am now the catering manager at a piece of shit Italian restaurant that is not, not even close to profitable. I'm not going to lie. When I saw those numbers, I was just kind of like, oh, that's why you made me manager. Because you won't have to keep me around for that long. But uh, as Pam brought me in on, I did work at an adult bookstore, or at least that's how I put it on my resume. Because um, you can't just say porn store. It looks bad. But if you say adult bookstore, you at least look like you have some tact. And that job, I got that job by walking in. I literally walked in, said, hey, are you guys hiring? And the manager did one of these. You're hired. Cool. Why? Because you're the most normal looking motherfucker we're going to get coming up in here looking for this job. And as if on cue, the police brought down this guy with his pants around his ankles and fecal matter everywhere to bring him outside because they had called him to get him out. And then he sees the big now hiring sign. He's like, hey, so you guys are hiring, right? Okay, so he's right. But that job, that working at a porn store makes simple retail questions very, very awkward. Like, you can't answer the question like, does this come in a bigger size? And not feel weird. You can't answer the question like, do you have this in a different color? No. We sold a bunch of shit. Like, I get paid minimum wage to sit here, and my paychecks bounced at this job. <laughs> they bounced like they were made of rubber, and I'm happy this guy appreciates it. <laughs> Makes my day. They, and so, like, people expect a customer service from me at 2 in the morning. You're not getting it. You're just not, all right? At two in the morning, I can be barely bothered to give a fuck about myself, let alone anyone else. And this is where it gets weird because people would ask for good customer service and now I went into a Good Vibrations recently and they give good customer service. This is some bullshit. Like this is the worst part of gentrification. Right here. When you can't work and walk into a porn store and have someone look you square in the eye and say, why are you here? Fuck you, that's why. Maybe literally. Who knows? Weirdest thing I ever saw working at a porn store, I saw a guy run out of a porn store and completely engulfed in flames at two in the afternoon on a Saturday. So don't fucking tell me how rough your job is. Don't tell me how bad your day it was. Don't tell me how Kathy from accounting is a real bitch, all right? Unless you see guy on fire... I don't care, all right? But the best part about that was is that for about two months later, I was able to use the greatest puns of all time. Every time, it, without fail, someone would walk in and be like, is this, the, is this the place where that dude got lit on fire? <laughs> yeah, lubrication is important. I've got more. Turns out there really is a god. Or my favorite, um... You know, our movies are just that hot. People like to shoplift at porn stores. This is a common occurrence. Do you know how people shoplift? They, sh they stuff whatever they're shoplifting down their pants. And I can tell you that is a mistake you only make once. Hey, hey, bring it back. Well, good for you. I mean, what else do you say to that after you've grabbed a guy's junk, all right? You just don't, you just don't know. Uh, I work at an Italian restaurant. It sucks, but I have learned one very crucial thing working at this Italian restaurant. Who here knows what the Italian word for your welcome is? It's prego, actually. 
And Prego is also a pasta sauce, which makes it the most arrogant fucking pasta sauce. Because it's saying, shh, you're welcome. Hmm. I think uh, my favorite job of all time, favorite job of all time, real easy. Uh, I got to scrub manatees for a week in Florida. Best job, unpaid, unpaid of course. I was in a uh, at-risk youth program, and so they had me working in a national park to try and make me less at risk of going to prison. It didn't work. Uh, and one day, the, one of the supervisors came up to me and he was like, hey, Jason, uh, one, of our vault tech, uh, one of our vet techs called out. You want to scrub a manatee? I didn't know uh, that I did. No, uh, I think everyone has a bucket list, right? Everyone has a bucket list. Shit they want to do before they die. This was on the secret menu. I didn't know it was an option. I'm sitting here and I'm like, yes, of course. I would love to, I would love to be with one of these creatures. And so they corral them into this big tank and they drain out all the water. And uh, fun fact, manatees can move in six inches of water. Not a joke, just fun fact. They can move in six inches of water and they love getting scratched by a patio brush and they love when you scratch their bellies. They love it. That's why I had to sign a waiver where they said if one of these big fat fuckers rolls over and breaks your leg, you can't sue us. But I can tell you that as I looked soulfully into the eyes of this manatee and I saw the depth and knowledge that it had within it, I understand why sailors in the 1700s wanted to have sexual relations with them. <laughs> this thing was beautiful. My first job I ever held was at McDonald's. I am one in five. That is the statistic of how many people's first job is going to be at McDonald's. Fucking 20%. That's ridiculous. But not only that, but I worked graveyards at McDonald's. And the thing about this McDonald's was, is we had our manager living in the basement because reasons. <laughs> they never explained these reasons to me. They just said the health inspector shows up, don't let him into the basement. But hey, I got a sweet kickback from my manager. He gave me a VHS copy of Mortal Kombat. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, it all worked out in the end. Get over here. Get over here is what he should have said to the guy he watched steal my bike. <laughs> the dude watched the guy saw through the bike lock behind the fucking work for 20 goddamn minutes. 20 minutes this guy was invested in this bike lock and he let him steal it. I'm a 16-year-old kid and I've just finally gotten mobility and he's gone now. I was crushed. I worked graveyards there too. And I can tell you that at 2 in the morning in Cortez, Colorado, there will be a guy on a rascal scooter who will come through and pay you with nothing but quarters that he got at the casino. I've worked a lot of graveyard jobs. A lot of graveyard jobs, not surprising. You know, when you have to declare a felony, it's, you're working a graveyard job. That's just how it's going to go. I've worked a lot of graveyard jobs, and I have found out that uh, I don't know why everyone who comes into a place during graveyard hours hates you, but I understand why everyone that works at a place during graveyard hours fucking hates you. I had a kid come into this gas station I worked at. It was 3 in the morning, and he said uh, he stole one of my cigarettes out of the pack. Stole one of my cigarettes, right? And so I watched him walk by, and I was like, hey, give it back. He's like, what? Yeah. Duh. 
And he said, ah, ha, ha, no, fuck you, dude. You work graveyards at a gas station. And I said, that's a fair point. But as he was walking by after having successfully smoked that cigarette, I was like, ha, 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 you also have herpes. <laughs> and I think I got my revenge for that punk 14-year-old kid. And uh, on that, I think I'll give it back to your magnificent host, Pam Benjamin. Jason Bonfort, scrubbing manatees and not having sex with them. Yay, good job. Those majestic creatures. What can you do? Uh, hey, turn around right now and give it up for the man running the ones and twos, Sun Tzu. David Kircher, thank you. Yeah. Right, we have uh, crazy ex-jobs in the house, in the hizzy. Uh, your next comedian is no exception. Uh, I don't know if homeschooling is a job, but I'm wondering what kind of weird jobs you've had because of the homeschooling. I think it, it will come into play at some point. Put your hands together, everybody. Ian Levy! No, it's not. It's much more pathetic and hipster. Yeah, um, so what I'm going to say is, is uh, as an underachiever, I did not prepare a lot. <laughs> but I have a song, so how about if you could light me at, instead of one minute, three minutes, then I'll just go into the song and close it out, and we'll, we'll do it that way, guys. Um, I don't think I want to work any more, any more shitty jobs, so I'm just going to create a TV show, a reality show, where young children uh, are forced to excavate the earth uh, for rare minerals. I'm going to call it Miner Miner. Uh, that is my, <laughs> my money-making scheme. Um, and that's the joke I wrote for tonight, guys. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, end of jokes. <laughs> and now, ho hopefully, just some, some stories. I used to work. Uh, the first job I ever had was uh, at a, it was a wedding venue, a place that just put on weddings called Grace Vineyards. Um, I got it just because my my friend got the job, and he just told the they told him to bring someone else. So he brought me. Um, and Grace Vineyards, they didn't actually grow uh, any grapes there. There was no wine. They just called it Grace Vineyards. Uh, f and for a place that you know started a lot of marriages, I thought that was very appropriate. That something that sounds nice, uh, but is ultimately built on a lie. <laughs> <laughs> It was Grace Figures. And there was the boss, the guy who owned the place, lived there also. Uh, he lived there. Uh, and in his house, when you went in his living room, there was a big picture of Ronald Reagan. Uh, so I thought it was appropriate for a wedding venue to have a big picture of Ronald Reagan uh, because it, a lot of people talk fondly of it, uh, but <laughs> statistically, not so great. So that's, <laughs> there's, uh, he, all, he also, <laughs> thanks Jenny, boom. <laughs> uh, on top of, of top of picture Ronald Reagan, uh, he, also, he also kept a, a taxidermied owl uh, in his kitchen. Uh, he kept a taxidermy owl, and I thought it was appropriate for a wedding place to keep a taxidermy owl because it kept something that was once uh, beautiful and alive and full of passion. <laughs> but when you get up close, you realize it's dead on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> Just like marriage. I should mention I was uh, working there when my parents were going through their divorce. So it's it's a weird thing to go work at a place that, that's creating marriage and you just like in the background going, it's a lie. <laughs> it's not all happiness and roses. <laughs> it breaks some children's hearts. Uh, but I, I worked there for a while. I worked with some weird people. Uh, I worked with this this guy uh, named named Quinn. I probably should change his name. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but like I said, laziness and stuff. So just do me a favor and don't Google him. <laughs> 
but I, I worked with a guy named uh, Quinn, uh, who, uh, this is true, thinks America would be better off if the South won the Civil War. Uh, we had a lot of conversations about this. Uh, it's kind of fascinating. Uh, but he also had the habit of it's probably the least the least wedding habit of chewing tobacco. So I have just 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 bushes everywhere, just covered in chewing tobacco spittle, and just uh, it was it was very romantic and nice. It's just a weird weddings are a weird thing we we all we all go through. And I I think about Quinn uh, and marriage uh, and the secession of the South. <laughs> All kind of bound up into one, <laughs> so it's it's probably not a healthy thing. I um, the 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 wedding place people people get weird at weddings. Do you know Do you know what the 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 number one song played at weddings is? Do you know it's it's not the dun 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 dun. You know it's it's not that. No, it 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 is the Black Eyed Peas. I've I've got a feeling. Yeah 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 yeah. I have heard that song so many times and I don't I'm not an expert on how to have a great night but I can tell you how not to have I have a feeling on how not to have a great night and it's if you're forced to listen to that song while cleaning up drunken people's dirty dishes and leftovers as everyone is singing I gotta feel it you know because no, we, everyone knows the chorus, and it's only like six words in that song besides the chorus, and everyone knows one of these. So it's, I got a feeling tonight's going to be, and then it goes into like a, Mazel Tov! And then, yeah, that's, uh, that's the only bit anyone knows. And so, and so I just, every night cleaning, and then everyone would look at me during the Mazel Tov line, <laughs> which is just uncomfortable. <laughs> Uh, it was a weird, it was a weird place to work. The worst thing, I'll tell you the worst story, this, this genuinely happened. Um, uh, at the end of the night, we would always be cleaning up, um, and, and to save, everyone would leave all their dishes out, you know, on the table when they're off at the dance floor, and, and there would just be all these, like, um, you know, it'd be champagne and juice and all these things, and we would take these pitchers out and just fill them with all of the drinks and just throw that in the bushes, right, to get rid of everything quickly. Uh, and this one night, uh, there was a pitcher full of, and it's like brownish, blackish liquid. It's not anything you want. It looks like about as appealing as kombucha. So, <laughs> okay, maybe maybe a bit more appealing than kombucha, but <laughs> sick kombucha burn. <laughs> yeah, feeling that San Francisco? <laughs> Fucking hippies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but basically, a drunk guy just stumbled up, and all of us were kind of in too much awe to do anything, and poured a glass of this concoction and drank the entire thing, and none of us had the courage to tell him <laughs> what, what he was. Yeah, oh, man, that was that was disgusting. I I I, uh, I also another job I had is I worked at a Starbucks. Uh, hold your applause. Uh, I worked at a Starbucks inside a Target. Uh, actually, actually it, here in the city, the one on Masonic and Geary. If you've ever, oh yeah 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 no. So I worked there. That is the worst job I've ever had. Um, and I, I got it only, it was out of awkwardness I got the job. I never tried this at a, at a tactic before, but they, they said like I had my interview uh, and it went fine, but I was just interviewing to be like a normal target person. Uh, and, then, and then I left and I thought they said, come back tomorrow. I guess they didn't, but I showed up anyways. And they're like, oh, what are you doing here? And I was like, you know. And they're like, do you want to work at Starbucks? 
And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I and then I worked at Starbucks for six months. And you learn that that when you work at a cafe place like that, uh, it's built around it, it's basically cheap therapy for people because it was just such a horrible, shitty place. People come. We we did. You know the happy hour at Starbucks. They do it. They do frapp. They they call it frappy hour, where you get like a deal off. You deal off frappuccinos. I refer to it as frappageddon. So you know, slightly slightly different because we were right next to a middle school. So it'd just be hours of kids and, and just the worst. It was like the first scene of Saving Private Ryan. Like the first day, the first day I was doing it, just refilling. Like the I had one job is refilling, making new whipped cream, and then just more whipped cream. You know, was, so you know, <laughs> I think someone got blinded and excited. By, by some chai mix. It was horrible, guys. <laughs> it was a brutal time. But no, the worst, the, 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 this guy, a genuine thing actually happened to me. Do you guys know what caramel ribbon crunch is, right? There's this a frappuccino that's a caramel ribbon frappuccino. Yeah, you <laughs> you look like someone who would enjoy a nice caramel ribbon crunch <laughs> frappuccino. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Um, no, no, but it, it, but there's this, it's a special kind of drink, um, and it's all it really is is a caramel frappuccino, but with little caramel nuggets sprinkled around on top. Um, and we once ran out, uh, and I told a man this. I said, uh, we've run out of caramel ribbon crunch, and he told me to go fuck myself. <laughs> and that is... And this was not a small, this man was probably 300 pounds of muscle. Like, he could have removed my head from my shoulders easily without breaking a sweat. And that just shows the mentality of people. Like, what is right? And his, like, girlfriend was with him. Like, he wasn't chill at all. And I just, I just never realized how pity people could be. I wish there was more honesty in the food industry. I really, I really do. Because I work at a cafe now. I don't work at Starbucks anymore. But I work at like a nice little cafe. And sometimes it's fine. But it gets really sickening doing like the day in, day out. Whenever people come and go, hey, how's your day going? You go, I'm fine. How are you? You know, hey, how's your day going? I'm fine. How are you? And just once, I want to tell the truth. Like, that's all I want. I want a job where I can tell the truth. I, I want one job where someone comes and says, how's your day going? And I say, actually, it's not going so great. I'm really hungover right now. Uh, I was up drinking late last night uh, because I found uh, my ex-lover, the woman I'm still in love with, uh, recently got in engaged. This is the same woman who only left me uh, due to my dependency on alcohol. <laughs> I've never felt more alone than I do right now. And I wake up every morning wondering when I'll finally have the courage to end my own life. Was that a soy chai latte? What soy chai latte? <laughs> That's true. Okay, okay. I, I guess there's some more bits there, but I'll, I'll do this song now. That this is a song I, I wrote before I was doing comedy, um, but I wrote it about working at Starbucks. So you guys can we could try to have you guys can tell me what you think. Maybe I should give up comedy and become a folk singer. I think in another life I was Woody Guthrie. So because I like box cars. No, it's. <laughs> No, it's not. It's actually the, the chorus you're allowed to sing along if you guys are so inclined. You guys want to go on a little magical comedy adventure here? Okay? Okay? So, so, so the chorus, okay, the chorus goes like this, if you could remember. Oh, thank you, Pam. Thank you very much. The chorus goes, uh, get me out of Starbucks. Get me out of here. I'm tired of the hatred, self-loathing, and fear. I'd rather be with my friends drinking a beer. So get me out of Starbucks. Get me out of here. So we can... Okay, are we good? Okay, so it, I'll just start with it, we'll go once through and then. 
Get me out of Starbucks, get me out of here I'm tired of the hatred, self-loathing and fear I'd rather be with my friends drinking a beer So get me out of Starbucks, get me out of here ho, ho, ho. Get me out of Starbucks, get me out of here My co-workers are okay, they understand my pain But the manager seems to think the schedule is a game Getting days off is like playing roulette Cause you never really know the days you're gonna get Everybody, get me out of Starbucks Get me out of here I'm tired of the hatred, self-loathing and fear I'd rather be with my friends drinking a beer So get me out of Starbucks Get me out of here Get me out of Starbucks Get me out of here The customers seem to think that they're a swell bunch But frankly if I'm honest They're all a bunch of cunts Some of them are happy Most of them are mad But however they are feeling They tend to make me sad Oh, get me out of Starbucks Get me out of here I'm tired of your hatred, self-loathing and fear I'd rather be with my friends drinking a beer So get me out of Starbucks Get me out of here Oh, oh, oh Get me out of Starbucks Get me out of here I applied to work Way on down in hell I'm sure it pays better Won't have that coffee smell it may be a tad hot, but it ain't no coffee burn If I don't get out soon, I'll be leaving in an urn Oh, get me out of Starbucks, get me out of here I'm tired of the hatred, self-loathing and fear I'd rather be with my friends drinking a beer So get me out of Starbucks Get me out of here Okay, thanks guys. Uh, hey, thanks for putting up with my horrible singing. <laughs> here he is, the amazing Pam Benjamin! Keep it going for Ian Levy, everybody, yay! Starbucks! I'm surprised if the, uh, Jason Bobforth said that one out of every five people has worked at McDonald's. I wonder how many now, if that will be surpassed by Starbucks. I think that maybe two out of every five people have worked at Starbucks. I haven't worked at Starbucks. Anybody, well, we could do a quick thing here. Any, who, anybody else worked at Starbucks in this room before? One. Two, see that two out of ten. There it is. See, it's still, uh, it's still one out of five. Uh, yay, Ian Levy, yay. Uh, your next comedian on the bill here. I think she wants to be a bodybuilder. 
Probably someday. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear what kind of weird uh, jobs she's done. I'm excited that she's hearing on the bill. You guys are going to love her. Put your hands together for Louisa Isbell. Keep it going for Pam real quick. Um, I don't know why Pam, I don't, Pam just thinks that I really like my muscles and like cultivating them. Um, I don't know, my body's a temple, but I'm just not like, not like obsessed with it. Um, so you got me thinking about kombucha. Um, yeah, kombucha's weird. I had a subletter last summer. Um, this is my roommate sitting behind you. Our good friend Pat was living with me over the summer, and he is moving from the East Coast. This is just a quick aside. And I took him to a party, his first like proper SF party, and these people had a, just like a tank of kombucha in the corner that they were creating, and it had like the scoby in it and everything. I don't know how familiar you guys are with kombucha, but it just looks like a wad of mucus. And Pat was like trying to fit in, and he was like. What kind of fish is that? <laughs> Pat, you're so embarrassing. Um, I don't know. It's just a kombucha story. So I am just like very, thank you, <laughs> thank you. I'm just like very um, like shellacked right now. I got back from Mexico a few hours ago um, for a work trip. Uh, it was an emergency work trip to Mexico, which is like a weird sentence. Uh, so I'm like not terribly prepared, but that's okay. Last night at dinner, we had like a team dinner. I'm on the marketing team at my current company. I like my current company. It's not a weird ex job. Um, it's a weird current job. And I asked my coworkers, uh, like what, what were some like weird jobs you guys had or what were your first jobs? And my first job, uh, that I ever had, which also kind of was a weird job, probably a very unethical job is as a high school freshman, I assisted my mother who is an addiction psychiatrist with um, a lot of her invoicing, but like, also she was like, I mean like if you have some extra time, maybe you could just review these huge binders and just like let me know what you think. I'm not gonna like take it, I'm not gonna like take it seriously, but just like, yeah, I'm just, you know, I can't read all this. And so I was just like letting her know what I thought. And she's like, you know, that is pretty insightful. You're, all, you're 13. Uh, so I hope I didn't influence anything ever. Um, one of my coworkers, his first job ever. So, all my, a lot of my coworkers are Mexican. We have an we have an office in Guadalajara, and he, um, he's just like was really sweet, like genial guy. And I just wasn't expecting him to be like, oh yes, Luisa. Like my first job was, um, my uncle has a factory, and like I was the pigeon boy. It's <laughs> like, what does that mean? He's like, oh, it's just like I like I like catch the pigeons that fly into the factory, and I um I kill them. <laughs> And he's just like the nicest guy, and I was like, oh my god, a Rudy, like that's that's terrifying. He was like, no, it's like actually like pretty interesting. Like you have to figure out new ways to kill them. Um, <laughs> it's like you're right. That's why you work in tech. <laughs> so innovative. Okay, and this is when I mean this is when I stopped being prepared at all. So yeah, I just returned from Mexico. I'm not feeling great. Um, it's either like really intense like Montezuma situation or like low key Zika. So just like. <laughs> Maybe just like don't touch me. Um, yeah, obviously we've all done like really weird things for money. That's why we're all here as like comedians, but also like here um, for tonight. Um, my first job, I think like on paper, isn't that weird. I was um, a software sales representative for a Fortune 100 technology company, um, which is just like I don't know a really 
shady way of like trapping millennials into a job where they sell people things they don't need or want. Um, so I did that right out of college. Um, yeah, I just love to share a little bit about this experience. I feel like people have had such interesting, weird jobs here. Like you worked for Big Rabbit. Um, so I feel like, I don't know, you probably like got a lot of insight into like the workings of a worldly conglomerate, but <laughs> I just feel like there's more to add to that conversation here. So, okay. How did I get this job? It was alarmingly simple. Um, an on-campus recruiter showed up at my college. I applied, and uh, 22 hours later, I had the offer letter. Uh, like For context, it takes longer to make a really good brisket than it did for me to get this job. But I mean, it was my first one, so I just I wasn't super worried about it. I was like, this is going to be fine. Um, yeah, and upon like signing the offer letter, I still didn't really know what this job was. Like I just knew I met with this recruiter. He like razzle dazzled me. In hindsight, I was like, it should have been the opposite, but it's like he really sold me on this. Uh, I found out about the job in a weird way, in a way that like no millennial finds out about a job or anything on the back of a newspaper. Um, yeah, on the back of like my school's B minus school newspaper, uh, I saw this ad. And uh, and I applied for it in the same way that like a lonely old woman might like buy or sell parakeets. I acquired this job from classifieds. And yeah, so I started working for this big corporation. I'm not allowed to say, um, I'm not like supposed to say the name, but it just like it rhymes with sporkle. <laughs> so <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, in the month like leading up to the job, they sent us just, I still don't know what the job is really. I just know it's going to be sales, selling something technological. Um, they sent us this like assignment and they were like, yeah, like make a fun video of like, you know, why you chose us, like why us? And, um, you know, Jason was saying earlier, it's funny that they like ask you questions like that in an interview, like why us? And it's like the answer is always going to be consistent because I believe I meet some of the requirements for this job. Like, please job me now. I want it, I'll do it. So, yeah, and then there was like a new hire Facebook group where um, I just got a really good sense of who I was gonna be like entering this life's journey with. And it was like 250 white men from Cal Poly who all made the same video, just like a rap parody video where they just replace like the n-word with like business terms I don't know it was really strange a lot of group think that was like a through line through this whole experience was just a lot of uh, zero originality I ended up submitting a vine for my video which if you guys are unfamiliar they capped them at seven seconds which I think is just really like foreshadowed my level of commitment to this career choice um, yeah so Sporkle they hired 400 of us um, out of right out of college and for our training, put us into uh, dormitories of a southern um, of a South Bay college. So they just like knowingly took 400 just like really horny and frustrated recent college graduates and put us in what is essentially it was college 2.0, I think, and just like tried to teach us a bunch of business acronyms. Um, yeah, I don't know if we were like learning a lot, but based on the amount of sex I like know people were having, um, I just like. I'm not a doctor, but like I wouldn't be surprised at all if we just contributed to just a very like corporate branded uh, strain of like super chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> like if you didn't leave with HPV, you were a fucking nerd. <laughs> like, <it> was, <laughs> uh, yeah. So who did they hire for this job besides me? Um, it just like became very obvious off the bat that they were just gunning for a, a really particular 
uh, target fit, um, which was college athletes. The only requirement to deserve this job was to be an athlete um, or good looking, but please both. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't know. Athletes are just like really good at taking direction and they're competitive. Um, and like full disclosure, like I was a college athlete. I did rowing, um, but I like to think of rowing as more like a, like a thinking man sport. <laughs> But which is ironic because it's the sport that most closely resembles a dog dragging its ass <laughs> along the carpet. It's very graceful. Yeah, I was a diversity hire, not because I'm Latina or a woman, but just because they like really needed to dilute all the fucking sick lax bros they hired from Duke. Um, so yeah, <laughs> just a lot of the same type of person. Yeah, I think they were like targeting prospective hires in the way to the serial killer targets victims, but just replace no known family or friends with um, ambitions to realize. They're just really looking for lost souls. Oh, I know. This is why I need notes. I'm just still like very shell-shocked from the experience, even though it was two and a half years ago. Okay, so some characteristics that stood out about the people that they hired for this tech sales job. Um, you're probably learning that like we didn't do a lot in this job. I just observed a lot of things. Uh, yeah, they just like hired people who were very like eager to please but it was ironic because I learned in like every sexual encounter I had with a colleague because that was just the thing to do um there was just like no reciprocity like I'd be like okay like my turn and they're like no English like it's just it's just never a thing they have encountered in their years of just like pounding it at UCSB <laughs> Like the female orgasm, just it wasn't even like a myth to them because I feel like acknowledging something um, as as mythological, it implies that you've like at least considered it as as existing. So, yeah, yeah, and like so, those were all the men um, that I worked with. And like as for the women, I don't want to like generalize a group, but like if the men were like if the men were just like sort of like like raised by like misogynist wolves, I think the women were raised by the sales section at Forever 21. <laughs> It was just, just an utter lack of, um, of inspiration. I don't mean that in like a mean way. I just, it's just the most accurate way I can describe them. So it's safe to say that if we all showed up for this job as bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, we left just like utterly taxidermied. <laughs> just all the soul, all the soul sucked. When they said that they'd be working, that we'd be working in the heart of Silicon Valley was actually um, like a warehouse with no windows in the deep South Bay. Um, yeah, talking rain, sparkling water it was like our equivalent of um, cigarettes in prison. It was like our currency. It was the only thing of value we had in this just like really sad, hopeless place. Mm, the job just only entailed cold calling, which is the worst kind of interaction to have with another person because neither person like wants to be there at all and you're like trying to deceive them <laughs> into buying things they don't need. So that was upsetting. We tried to make the office less upsetting by decking it out with accoutrement, like um, like decal, like stick on windows to make it feel like we had them. <laughs> and those lights that help treat seasonal affective disorder. Yeah, honestly, like at one point the job came to be so, so just soul crunching that um, one of my friends, she got a job, a second job at Phil's Coffee just to feel something. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know. Just like one of my most vivid memories, only memories, is just like openly weeping the day we got a shipment of mug root beer. <laughs> I don't know. Having a job like this, I think it like 
I do appreciate it. Like, I recognize it's incredibly privileged to have, like, a good job like that, out of, or a job that, like, pays you and has health benefits out of college, but it did really make me appreciate things like, um, like, variety <laughs> and, I don't know, just, like, interaction with humans that don't unironically call their Patagonia Patagucci. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, despite all the bullshit, I don't think I would trade the experience um, really for anything. I made a lot of good friends, albeit, like, from convenience, but I feel like we all have those friends that are important to make. If there were, okay, it, it was, like, summer camp for adults, I think, having this work experience, and if the summer camp had, um, like, a motto or a slogan, it would be, um, I am incredibly hungover, but I will do whatever I can to help you. Because, like, just, I don't know, spending time in prison with someone, I feel like you just form lifelong bonds and you just want to help them however you can. Um, I think that's I think that's my time. Yeah, and that's very therapeutic. Thank you. Louisa Isbell's time at Sporacle, which we know is a kombucha company, right? Sporacle, is that what they are? They make camp they're a Fortune 100 kombucha company. Then spore, that's what kombucha is, is spores, right? Uh, summer camp sex and uh, sparkle water this made her live in that terrible uh, microcosm for years. Good, I'm glad you're out of it. Yay! Eight months, eight months. It was nothing. It wasn't even like having a baby. It was like you didn't even have to gestate the job that long. You didn't even get to even get your benefits. Did you even go see a doctor? They didn't even check out your girly bits after all that sex? No? <laughs> Did you even? Good, yeah, I gotta keep that area clean and clean and, and uh, you know. STD free. It's hard. It's all the S words. Sparkle water, STD, sex, sporacle, all together. Uh, yay, Louise Isbell, yay! All right, your next comedian I think has the most interesting job on the X jobs of the jobs because I didn't even know that your job was a real job, right? <laughs> Right, like you're the you're the t- Tinder coach. Guy. Yeah, that is like that's and it's but that's the thing is, I just learned that Tinder isn't spelled with E R. It's spelled with just an R. I didn't even know that T I N D R. Tinder, Tinder. It's I mean it's I know it's an app. I don't I don't use apps to date. It does. I thought it was just with an R. Oh, there it is. It is Tinder with an R. I heard it just had a Tinder R. Grinders just with the R. See, I just need to get up. I need to figure out what's going on. I need a coach maybe for some of my sexual dating apps. That's what he used to do, you guys. I can't believe it. Uh, he's a very funny guy. I'm excited to hear what he has to say about his weird ex job. Everybody, William Busher. I totally worked at Oracle too. I totally did. Uh, I totally was at the class of. I was. No, I was the one after. I was the one after. Yeah, yeah. Do you probably you probably worked with? Where did you go to high, uh, college? Columbia. Oh, I went to. You went to Columbia. You got recruited out of Columbia. I got recruited at UCSB. Yeah, they paid me to take that job. They gave me seven thousand dollars just to take the job. Yeah, but the jokes on Sporacle is I I uh, actually sued them for how they treated me, and they gave me fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I totally had that. I'm the, dude, that job sucks so much dick. Oh my god, it should have had an account on Grinder. That job was so shitty. Dude, you realize you're like, man, I don't, dude, I don't. You when you have a really terrible job, you're like, I don't know how this is better than being poor. I like beans. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that job sucked. I got in trouble for wearing the wrong socks at that job. Seriously, they're like, what are you? He told me play the part. What kind of fucking Nazi? Office space shit is that? 
That's some office shootery motherfucking shit to say to somebody. Look someone in the eyes. Yeah, I did that. It was t- terrible. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk shit. It'll be great. Yeah, man. I was a Tinder coach. I know what you guys are thinking. Like, I know that I'm not good looking enough to give anybody advice about how to fuck. <laughs> yeah, but I, well, the, the way I got the job was that I moved to New York City, and I got a job at a different tech startup, and then they uh, brought me in, and they told me that I was being promoted to fired. And... <laughs> And you're like, we have a way better job for you. I think they called me masturbating in the bathroom, but they were nice and phrased it as you're not a good fit for this job. <laughs> so, and then I, after consulting my bank account, I was like, I need to figure out what to do for money. And then I just started posting shit I could do for money. I was like, I've never taken the SAT, but I could probably tell you how to take it. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I'll walk your dog. And it's like, I'll teach you how to do tinder I've, that's how i fuck people you know i could teach you how to do that you know i'll fuck anything that tells me i'm good at playing the guitar <laughs> so i just started posting and weirdos responded oh i didn't yeah weirdos not people you can coach the weird thing is is if if you're coachable you're too embarrassed to ask somebody for advice about how to date other people. If you're someone who's like of a sane mind, they're like, this is embarrassing. I want to talk to you, but you're not going to reach out to me. So the first guy who reached out, his name was Caesar, and he was very self-conscious because he had never dated a girl because you know how you have two eyes and they go the same direction? Well, one of those eyes went left <laughs> in that whole process. So I would show up and we would go, we would go out to bars and I would tell him uh, when he, I would basically tell him that like when he was meeting up with a girl, that she, uh, he had to not creep her out, like asking like, uh, hey, you fuck? <laughs> Don't start there. I, I, uh, I would basically, for money, I would, the way that it worked was that uh, I would set up their profiles for money. I would go take pictures with them. And then they couldn't get their own dates with that. They couldn't get their own dates. So what they started paying me to do is flirting with the girls for them. <laughs> so they <laughs> Online. So they would give me their login, and I would flirt with the girls for them. And every date that I secured, I got $40. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No one got laid. No one fucked anybody. <laughs> I just got a lot of $40 and a lot of like, I don't know what happened. What do you mean I shouldn't text her at 7.30 in the morning? That's when I'm up. <laughs> Fucking idiots. Yeah. There was the one guy who he just like seriously couldn't get it together. And our sh- sessions together about how to do Tinder slowly turned into Jungian psychotherapy. Just like... I don't know, man. My mom used to make fun of me every time I said, you know, said a girl, she would call her up and be like, you know what, Bobby really likes you. I'm like, I don't fucking like, (sighs) okay, swipe right, right, that's, you're good. Tinder's such a fucking, it's such a pathetic app. It's like people go through it like they're choosing carpet samples, just like, all right, these nine, they're fine, I can walk all over that. I just, who's on Tinder? Who's on Tinder? Yeah, yeah. It's a, the funny thing about it is as a guy, it's so pathetic because it's just like, yeah, you're just like, oh, yeah. It, you realize how bummer you have to be as a girl just to be like, yes, anything. I don't care. I just don't want to die alone. Nope. Anything. Yes, I don't want to die. No, sorry. I don't even want, death by myself is better than any time with you. 
But the the bummer thing about it is that like guys spend so much time slaving over like the like the one sentence. Like if you're if the one sentence is gonna rescue you, if that's your last shot, you are so fucked. You're not. Oh man, I got two eyes and none of them are going the same direction. <laughs> All right, maybe I can say I like Firefly and well, get me in the door. Yeah, the wor- it's way worse for girls, dude. You girls go online to find guys, and all they find are penises. <laughs> it's like just like they go on, and it's just a void of guys eja- trying to ejaculate into something. <laughs> what? It was an upsetting image. I won't tell you what happens next. No. Yeah, that's uh, it didn't end well because the one thing after a while, I didn't start feeling bad about it, but I stopped caring about these, the, trying to get these guys laid. So it was like, I'll give you forty dollars. Like I still have your last forty dollars. I don't care. <laughs> uh, are we talking about other weird? I was a dog walker, a professional dog walker in New York City, and so I would literally go into these people's multi-million-dollar uh, apartments and be like, all these dogs are better looking than me. <laughs> they live in nicer houses. They probably went to nicer schools. I, w- <laughs> I walked to this, uh, this dog. It was the ugliest dog. It was half pug, and the other half was also pug. It was the ugliest dog I'd ever seen. It looked like it looked like you took a dog, and you put it in the microwave, and then you took it out. You're like, this is done. <laughs> <laughs> I, got fired, uh, I, I got fired from that job because I was bad at the paperwork. Which is, the, which is so fucked up, because there are so many other reasons to fire me. Like, I wouldn't show up. <laughs> yeah. I met my girlfriend on Tinder. My profile on Tinder was just a picture of me at when I was 18 and shirtless. And it just says, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> it's good. And she didn't... She didn't swipe. She didn't swipe right because she thought it was a good profile. She was just swipe right. And she was like, "I have no idea." I wanted to ask this guy what what he's trying to do with that. <laughs> I was not qualified for my job whatsoever. Yeah, I uh, so I was in New York City when I did this. New York City, it's a tough place to just be alive. You just you walk around, and this is one interaction I heard in New York City. So how tough it is to live there. It's one interaction. Yo, man, what the fuck did you say to me? What the fuck did you say to me? Yo, man, hold my puppy. You know how mad you have to be to not to, to have that be the overriding thing you're doing and ignoring the puppy? You can't be mad and have a puppy. It's fucking greedy. Pick one. You have to, I would have to commute to work, and this is an interaction that I heard. Yo, come here. You killed that girl in 1983. You raped and killed that girl in 1983. And she pointed at this like really nerdy guy, and he goes, me? No, that wasn't me. I didn't do that. And she goes, yes, you did. And she, he goes, I think you have me confused with somebody else. <laughs> Which I love because he's like, no, I can reason with this schizophrenic woman. <laughs> she can get through. I just love that the fact that uh, every, it's like service area. Like every minute you spend alive in New York City is uh, a minute longer that can ruin your day. Like I saw, you've been to New York City? It's terrible. Don't go. Leave. It's the best thing to do in New York City. You ever go? It's the most affordable thing to do. Get it. It's the first thing I did. But this is the first thing I that when I got to New York City, I went to Union Square and I saw somebody. That, this homeless guy. I, I, you, the story will explain that he was homeless, but you know, just in case you didn't get it from what I'm about to do, he broke a bottle on the sidewalk and then dragged it across his face. Say, so, yeah, that's some homeless shit, right? 
Definitely didn't work at Oracle. <laughs> Maybe he did. I don't know. They were hung. They were hungry. The recruiting was heavy. But he bra- he breaks a bottle. He drags it across his face, and then he goes up to these thirteen-year-old girls, and they're like, "Check out this shit!" And they're like, "Yeah, we don't care either. We don't give a shit." Yeah. Um, what other jobs? I just want to talk shit on Oracle. I'm the, there's a whole when you were there doing your set. I'm like, I want to talk shit so bad. Yeah. Uh, mostly what happened at, at Oracle is you're like, wow, I didn't know there there there, there were this many ways to be sad. <laughs> I feel like I'm open micing sadness right now. <laughs> You're like, I'm gonna try that later. Did you decorate your uh, your cubicle? You're just like, I am a good girl. I am a good girl. I am a good girl. Just photocopy that. Yeah, the talking rain. That was, that was. There was this one guy who kept telling me he was proud of me at my job. I'm like, you have the same fucking job as me. You can't be proud of me. <laughs> you know how weird it is. And my coworkers always wanted to hang out with me. I'm like, You're fucking out of my life. Uh, no, anytime. It was, it was 85 degrees outside, and he's like, we're all going to go get Pakistani food. I'm like, no, we're not. Nobody gets Pakistani food. We're all going to sit here and be sad together. It's what they're paying us for. Live this shit life. All right, guys, thank you. time. <laughs>
the CEO would also always be like, no, we want everyone to be eating this vegan mayo. Like, put this vegan mayo on your ham sandwiches. It'll taste delicious. And it's like, you don't get credit for, like, making vegan food if it only tastes good when paired with ham, you know? Like, it just, like, <laughs> I don't think that... Um, they were really into using, like, the word just in front of all their products. Like, their mayonnaise was, like, just mayonnaise. And, like, their... Um, their uh, they had a, a, tar uh, a cookie dough called Just Cookie Dough. They had like an ad campaign targeted towards stay-at-home moms. It was called like Just Moms. Uh, and it literally like the slogan would be like, buy our mayonnaise like if you really love your kids. Uh, <laughs> it's like brutal. They had like a crackers called Just Crackers, which also described the racial composition of the company. Um, yeah, there was... Uh, so um, at one point, the they were like... Okay, the CEO just tried to move really quickly. Like, that's why they kind of ran into so many issues because he, like, he really thought they should be, like, a tech company. And uh, he was, like, okay. Like, you know how Facebook can just, like, have a bug and then, like, fix the bug and then, like, release the new product and no one really notices? Uh, like, you can't sell mayonnaise with bugs in it. Like, it's just not... <laughs> disgusting and uh, they learned that the hard way um, but they were getting sued by the FDA because they were calling their product just mayo and the FDA said that that was dece deceptive because it led people to believe that it was only mayo when it did not in fact have eggs in it and this would be really upsetting to people who wanted eggs in their mayonnaise I feel like this argument might make sense except that like the kind of people who like like eat mayonnaise and love it and everything or like, eat mayonnaise every day and really love it or like not the same people who like really care about the ingredients in their food you know just like if you're like looking to want you know i don't know it's like how many people like read the back of a mayo container and they're like shit i wanted the chicken fetus kind like fuck this um so i was on the data team there and my job was to like Okay, when they're getting sued, the CEO is trying to convince people that mayo and mayonnaise are, like, not the same thing, basically. And so in calling their product just mayo, it wasn't confusing people who thought that mayo and mayonnaise, like, could be used interchangeably. Um, so he wanted me to run a bunch of surveys to conclude that people think of mayo and mayonnaise as different words. Uh, like, the main result I got was that no one gave a shit. Like, not... <laughs> Like, not even vegans who shit all the time. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever eaten just beans for a week, but uh, it's brutal. Um, and eventually, though, I kept, like, trying to figure out how people use mayo and mayonnaise differently by, like, segmenting the population. And the only people who use them differently are, like, Spanish speakers in the month of May. Um, if you got that joke, you're bilingual. Congratulations. Just like Pam. Um, thanks, Pam. Uh, yeah, so I left, um, that company, and, uh, I, I, like, was so pissed off, and it just, like, kind of went from bad to worse all the time, and I was, like, so pissed off that I left, but, okay, my favorite part about working there was, like, telling people that I worked at, like, in the mayonnaise industry, uh, I was, like, doing a lot of online dating at the time, and it was, like, a great, like, icebreaker, um, and then after I left, I was like, okay, I'm never again, like, taking a job, like, for the story. But I was like, actually, it's a really good story. I don't really regret it. Um, I wasn't there that long. Uh, so I don't really know what, it, I, what I want to do with my life. I just know that I want the title of my biography to be, like, an unexpected sex icon. Um, so I work in mortgages now, so I think it's, like, fine. I'm going great on that path. Um, yeah, I switched to a different job in mortgages. 
uh and a lot it's like a startup but they're also like these people who are like very experienced in mortgages who are called like mortgage industry veterans like that's the term they use i don't really know how i feel about like using the term veteran to like um like describe people who are just experienced at something but like didn't actually go to war you know because that's like saying that like working in mortgages is like the same as like having like gone and like risked your life in war and like combat or whatever when in reality like spending 30 years working in the mortgage industry is so much worse than that like i can't even it's just like brutal like i can't even imagine oh man these people um yeah so i'm an engineer and a lot of women who our engineers will like tell people that and then like guys will say like oh you don't look like an engineer this is sexist and offensive but like no one's ever said that to me i don't know like <laughs> i don't know what's up with that uh like usually like when people ask what i do i'm like oh like you'd never guess but i'm an engineer and they're like really i was gonna guess engineer like that's actually was gonna be my first guess um i don't know I don't know what's up with that. Um, it's probably like the way I dress. Like this is a really good dress day for me because like my jeans have a button and my socks match. So it's like um, fly as fuck. Is that even what people say? I don't know. Um, also like I have this weird uh, I don't know, like dilapidated eyelid right now. So I'm like trying to just like wear a lot of makeup so that people just think I look like I did my makeup badly instead of thinking that I'm like dying from the inside. And I think it's working. I think it's working. People are like your makeup's fucked up. And I'm like yes. <laughs> nice. Um, so I, okay, so yeah, I work with like all guys and, uh, people will tell me sometimes that I'm like too aggressive, but this is like, or, well, Cheryl Sandberg has this idea that people just like tell women they're too aggressive too often, but I think I probably am more aggressive because I work with all guys. Like I told a guy the other day that his idea was like mediocre at best, uh, because it was, and then, but I think it's true. Like I think women who work with all men become more aggressive, but it goes the other way too. Like if you ever been to a yoga class, like the guys there are always like crying, you know, <laughs> like soul cycle. They're just like talking about how they look fat in yoga pants. I don't know. Um, just how they behave. My, I, uh, my, so my former boss at my current company, I didn't have a great relationship with him because like he said that I was like not good at receiving feedback. And I was like, what's the point of telling me that? Like, I'm obviously not going to change my behavior at all. <laughs> like, it's useless. The issue is that, like, every time he gave me feedback, I thought he was nagging me. So I was like, you want more? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but a lot of, like, sometimes my coworkers do, I, it's like all guys, and they'll, like, give me shit for, like, the way I dress. And I'm like, no, this is how women dress. Like, you just don't know. Like, I, this is why I'm wearing yoga pants to work, <laughs> even though... They don't, and they, actually they didn't. The nice thing is that like they're too uncomfortable to ever tell me not to wear things that like are really not in any way like workplace appropriate. Um, so I, but people will always ask me like, oh, if you work with all guys, like you probably just like get hit on all the time. And I'm like, well, you know, the thing is, it's like if the ratio gets so skewed that it's like 40 guys and like three women, like then the guys don't want to hit on anyone because they like feel uncomfortable about it. That's like what I tell myself at least, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I switched teams recently and okay so I used to be on like the engineering team all guys and I would I know well <laughs> um, yeah thank you uh, I was like all guys and I would complain all the time about being like the only woman on my team and people would be like wow you're so brave for like being able to talk about that I switched teams and everyone on my new team is Asian and I've learned that I'm not supposed to complain about being the only white person on my team <laughs> like that <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's not great yeah um we had trouble hiring women uh on the engineering team one okay so if we like interviewed a woman 
um, she, no one would like ever want to say anything like bad about her because they'd be scared that they look sexist. So like we interviewed this woman one time and the main issue with her, she, it was for like a data engineering role. And the main issue with her was that she didn't speak English, uh, which I thought was fine. Like a lot of my coworkers, I think like make too much use of their English language skills. Um, <laughs> but she, thank you. <laughs> Having a great time back there. Uh, but no one wanted to say this about her. So um, everyone was just like, I just feel like, you know, like maybe not like the right fit. And eventually my boss is like, you know, I just think she could be like a better fit for like a different role at a different company in China. <laughs> um, but I, uh, so I, yeah, we're trying to recruit more women, but we're not like doing the right things though. Like, I mean, obviously in this case, we should like probably interview people who like know the language that they speak in. Um, although honestly, my coworkers now will start speaking Mandarin like in a meeting that I'm in. I'm like, I just can't like, I can't do it. whatever, it's fine. And I feel like a racist and I'm like, we shouldn't speak English, but like, <laughs> it's like how I feel about it. Um, and, uh, anyway, so I was, yeah, working in a tech company trying to recruit more women and we're not doing the right things. Like we have like cool like you know perks. Like we have like free coconut chips and like talking rain. Um, but like we don't even have Plan B in the medicine cabinet. Like it's <laughs> fucked up. I learned that this morning. Uh, and I'm like, how are we supposed to like get women to join this company when uh, other tech companies have much better support for women looking to terminate their pregnancies? Seriously, like at Google they cover the cost of an abortion. <laughs> at Facebook they do the abortion on site. <laughs> It's true. It's like right next to Cheryl Sandberg's office, like frankly, a morning man. You can go get your free lunch, you can get your free abortion, and you can get back to fucking work. <laughs> it's, I'm not done. Okay, hold your horses. It's called Leaning In to a Hanger. Oh, sorry. I say leaning in is great. That's where you put your boobs against the glass, right? And you show everybody your cute titties. Is that what you do? You lean into the glass ceiling and you give it a big, like one of those thing and you show your tongue. It's hot, right? With your boobs all pressed up against the glass ceiling. Yay, Jenny Hogan, yay! And then yay. I feel like I want to know what the birth control situation at Oracle is since they're having those, Sporacle, since they're having those weird orgies with 400 people every year for their sales. Salespeople are more happy when they're sexed up. Sexed up salespeople, yeah. Hey, at pharmaceutical sales, that's the best way to go. They all get free lunches and they look pretty all the time. I've seen them. They're covered in pheromones. They, that's a thing now. They spray them with pheromones. Wow. Sure. I, I smelled someone who, um, I smelled a questionably housed person today. And they, no, they smelled really good. And I didn't know why. And it's because they were uh, sitting on a magazine. It was like one of those L magazines with all the, they'd taken all of the things out and rubbed them all over their body. And they didn't smell like shit. So I think it worked. Uh, they don't have jobs. Yay. They figured it out questionably housed here in San Francisco have it all figured out 40 bucks a day and then all you have to do is heroin that's a good job that's a fun $40 a day right uh your last you guys you ready for a headliner yeah uh one of her ex jobs I mean I you've practiced you passed the part I'll let let's let's not let's not let's not gild let's not pull the veil off 
we're gonna let all this happen. You guys, she's one of my favorite people in the scene. You're gonna love her. Everybody, put your hands together. It's Stephanie Silverman. Oh, you guys, keep it going for Pam. Um, I'm just gonna pull my compression, high-waisted <laughs> leggings up. They're cheaper than Spanx, ladies. Old Navy, high-waisted compression leggings. Fuck Spanx. They do the same fucking thing, and it's like $17.95. Um, there we go. It's good. Uh, let's. God, you guys are so awesome. This was such a great night of stuff that you guys were talking about, like the the sporical people. Like I don't like. You went to Columbia. Like, isn't that a good school? Like, what the fuck happened? Like, then you end up in a, like a, like a dark, like, why not work for the CIA? Like, if you're gonna work in a room with no windows, like, just go be a, like, be a spook in a, like, work for the government and, like, be black ops, you know? Like, can't you have windows? Like, why? Like, why not have a window when you're just, like, on the phone? Just, like, you just have to, like, have a fake window. That's so sad, you know? It just made me think, like, maybe the guy, like, they probably, like, the guys that you fuck, they probably just, like, put an IUD right on their dicks, right? They're just like, if you're gonna fuck a girl in this company, you gotta put an IUD on the end of your dick. Cause like, we need to keep her working. And like, they, we don't even have time to give her like a fucking RU486. So that's old school, isn't it? Right? Like no one takes that anymore, it's plan B now, right? Back in my day, <laughs> we had to actually kill the baby. <laughs> I'm so fucking old. I'm super into Pokemon though. Like, I don't know. I don't know any of the names of the Pokemon. I always get them wrong. I'm like, oh look, it's a Charmander. And he's like, no, it's a staying true. I don't know. But I I was just thinking it would be so fucking cool if I were like from Jamaica and I were like a Rasta dude playing Pokemon. I'd be like, oh, the Smokemon, catch the Pokemon, po po po. And I've just been thinking about that all the time. Like, how cool would it be if I were just fucking high all the time? I had dreadlocks. I'm like, I'm a Smokemon. I catch the Pokemon. And then I'd be like, I'm so high that the Pokemon catch the Smokemon, po po po. I don't know. I don't know. I just had this really weird dream. Nobody likes dreams, but I'm going to share it anyway cuz like, you're like shut up about your dream. Fuck you. I'm going to tune out. But this was such a weird dream. Like I like I had this bird nest in my yard. These birds were fucking hipsters. Like I had these hipster birds living in my yard. It's like how did you know they were hipsters? I'm like cuz they got their nest on Etsy, right? <laughs> It was one of those, like, it was like a fucking cartoon nest, and it was, like, sewn together with, like, twine. These two leaves were sewn together, and it was so cute. And I looked inside, and it was all this hipster shit. There was, like, a little miniature, like, messenger bag made out of, like, fucking canvas with, like, a little leather thing on it. It was just teeny tiny. It was, that one was for the guy, like, and there was a little button down from, like, I don't know, what, who's the spade, James, like, uh, whatever. There's, like, a little button down, and it's all cute. And then the, the girl bird had these little ankle strap shoes. It had, like, pink and purple on them. I'm like, what the fuck? hipster birds in my garden like this is a dream this is a real dream that I really had and it was so much better than the dream that I had like where I'm fucking my dad and his dick turns into a lobster and then he tells me I'm doing it wrong I'm like this is awesome I get to dream about hipster birds this is like the fucking best dream ever <sighs> you guys okay so I guess um I think like and when I went to college <laughs> it's shocking like, right I went to well I'm white so of course I went to college um and then like and then I didn't know what I was gonna do and but I was like I'm gonna major in geography and environmental studies I'm gonna save the planet I'm gonna become an organic farmer right Steph I'm I was gonna be an organic farmer and I went and I learned to be an organic farmer I went and I was an apprentice in agroecology at UC Santa Cruz and I tried to do that and I was like out farming and planning and shit and as it turns out like I really don't like labor. 
like that's the worst. It's the worst thing ever. So like even though organic food is great, like I'm like, I have to find another way. You know, so like I did work at Starbucks for a while. And you know, back in the day, that coffee was so fucking hot. Do you guys remember when they were like, this coffee must be 380 degrees. Otherwise, it's just like the quality, just we can't vouch for it. And it was so fucking hot. Like this stuff would come out of the like fucking urn and like bite you. And once I was like just pouring some coffee and I'm wearing my little like, I don't know, like hiking boots. I would wear hiking boots to work because like you got to stand and like the coffee comes out and it like soaks through my boot and I start sobbing right away. It's so hot. I just start crying. And the boss is like, Stephanie, I think you need to go home. I'm like, yeah, I'm never fucking coming back. I'm going to California Pizza Kitchen. <laughs> Where I was the worst, worst server you ever had. Once I asked people if they wanted some, um, Angel hair pasta with goat hair. <laughs> I was like, I meant goat cheese. And I had no sense of humor at the time, so I was like, I meant goat cheese. But it was like, that was like the funniest thing that I could have like ever said. Would you like some goat hair with your, <laughs> with your pasta? Oh God, work. God, why, like, I just want to not ever have to work again. Working is the worst. Working is the absolute worst. And once I, uh, I was an indoor plant, maintenance person because <laughs> like I went from being an organic farmer I'm like oh I like plants so I'll just go and water office plants and people would say oh I envy you you get to work outside I'm like I'm in your fucking office with you like you're selling mortgages I'm watering your plants we're in the same place do you see how this works except I get paid a million times less and I do get home I do get to go home and sleep for like three hours in the middle of the day and that's good um so that was weird I uh, also was a massage therapist I am a massage therapist I keep that license current because like, what if I need to go back to rubbing people down? I don't know. You gotta keep your options open is what I'm saying because you never know when your current job is just gonna fail and fall away from you. So right now, like my fallback position is fucking attorney. <laughs> yeah, so like if, if, if things don't go well for me in comedy, uh, I'll go back to practicing law and that is my worst nightmare. Uh, you know, because I did. I practiced law for a while. Uh, it was a, a horrible job. I was a criminal defense attorney. Uh, I was a public defender, and it was horrible. I'd often uh, try to, hmm, let me see, how do I say, stifle my tears in court, uh, and I was not even the one at risk of going to jail. But I, ha I, I, had, I had some good moments. Like, once I was uh, trying to get this guy just, like, not even off. Like, I'm just like, just get him out of jail. Like, he's fine. He's not going to leave. Let's get him out on his own recognizance. And this guy's name was Jesus Christ. Okay, because he had legally changed his name to Jesus Christ. And they're like, we're, the, the judge is like, is, is Jesus Christ here? <laughs> and like, Jesus Christ is here. And like, the judge is like, can you tell me why this man should be released on his own recognizance? And I said, well, your honor, obviously he is a man of God. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that's kind of one of the times that I thought maybe I should do comedy because I'm like, I am. <laughs> I am not afraid. <laughs> I am not afraid. I'm in a court, and I am not afraid to say stupid shit like that. Uh, there were other times that were more horrible. Like, one, like, I just ended up not going back into court. Like, I was supposed to go into court one day, and I, was, I used to smoke. I was smoking cigarettes, American spirits, of course, because, right? Um, and I'm like, I'm not going in. I'm not going in. I'm not going in. Because I was like, not, I was not having an anxiety attack, but I wish I was, because that would have been a good excuse for not going in. And I'm like, okay, Mr. Client, you can represent yourself. Um, so I didn't, you know, actually, that was a good day because that was the day that I got this drag queen, her clothes back, right? Because, like, they'd, she had stolen some shit. She really had. But then they confiscated all these ball gowns out of the back of her trunk and said, well, she obviously stole these, too. And I was like, she didn't steal these. And they're like, what, what do you mean she didn't steal these? I was like, she is a competitor in beauty pageants. 
and these are her gowns. And they're like, she can have those back. Because <laughs> like, it's fucking San Francisco. All right. So th those were my glory days. Those were my glory days. Oh, God. I don't know. I don't know what else to talk about. I, uh, so, you know, now, I don't know, most, some of you know that my, uh, what I do for a living, I wax vaginas. I remember, you're like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I know about that. <laughs> this is a thing I've heard of that women do not like to have pubic hair. They hate it. The women I see hate having pubic hair, and I support that. I'm willing to remove it. Uh, what a weird job that is. Like, it's not an X job. This is this was what I this is like after getting a JD and uh, uh, what do you call it a BA from UCLA, which is not a bad school either. It's a school that took some I don't know whatever like something. I got in. They took me. They're like, you must have something. We'll take you. They were mistaken. I did not need that degree, and I did not need the JD uh, to practice vaginas. <laughs> but it's a good job, you know, because it's uh, like I don't have to go to court. None of my clients, uh, if I fuck up their eyebrows, they are not going to go to prison. <laughs> Where they might, you know, actually, that if they get their eyebrows done in prison, they might get them done better, you know? Like, those women, sometimes their brows are fucking on fleek. Is that how you say it? Or that's over? The kids aren't saying on fleek or on point? I don't know what the kids are saying. The smokemon catch the Pokemon. Does, it, does, it, does anyone have a fucking slow poke? I'm really just, I was, like, there was a slow poke around here tonight. I was trying to get it. Did anyone get that fucking slow poke? I got a Snorlax last night. Yeah, fucking A. It took me, t I was walking all over town trying to get that Snorlax. What? Oh yeah. <laughs> what? Why is that funny? I, uh, what do you think? I'm too old for the fucking Pokemon. Catch the Smokemon. Po po po. <laughs> I just want all of Jamaica, like all the Smokemon in Jamaica, to be catching the Pokemon, and they just have a league of men catching the Pokemon. I'm the only one that thinks that's funny. That's okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, like, sometimes my clients come in. Do you guys want to know about, like, my clients? They're pretty amazing women. They're so brave. <laughs> you know, sometimes they're like, I'm so scared. This is my first Brazilian. And I'm like, it's okay. I will help you through it. And, like, I, <laughs> I am. I'm just like, just, you just chill. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm going to step out of this room. There's a little room. I'm going to step out. And what you're going to do, I try to be really clear because they're just freaking out. If it's their first Brazilian, they're completely freaking out. They're like, what's going to happen? I don't know. It's going to be horrible. I'm like, it's going to hurt, but it's okay. I'm going to step out. I want you to undress from the waist down. Because if I don't say from the waist down, sometimes they take all their clothes off. <laughs> and I'm like, and I walk in and there's a naked girl. I'm like, why did you take it all off? I just, it's all, this is all we need. And they're like, I'm, and it's happened. And I, when they're naked, I'm, I say, don't worry, it happens all the time. But it's happened twice. You know, like it's happened twice. <laughs> So I don't want them to feel bad, but I'm just like, it's okay. Just, I'm going to go back out and you're going to put your shirt back on. Okay. <laughs> that's how that's going to go. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, and here's a wipe. Use it front to back. Use it. And then put it in the garbage. Super specific. Super Because spe like they won't. Like if I say, if I don't say put it in the garbage, there'll be this shitty ass wipe like in their hand. I'm like, why? 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 There's a garbage can right there. And I go face up on this table, like, and I act everything out because they're so fucked up in their head at this point. They're so afraid of the pain that they're gonna have that they're like naked face down with a shitty wipe in their hand. <laughs> so I'm like super specific and I wait outside until I hear the table paper crinkle. They're, they're ready to go and I'm like, knock, knock. Are you all set in there? <laughs> yeah, 
Yes. <laughs> and I come in, I'm like, oh, good, that's great. How did you hear about me? Yelp, oh, that's fantastic. I'm like, this is going to hurt a little bit, but if you just come in regularly, it'll be great. So there's no real punchline. It's just like kind of, just so you guys know, that's how it goes. And then they, they love me after. They're just like, you were so nice, and that hurt so much less than I thought. I was like, you have no idea how much I could have made it hurt, right? <laughs> because like, and if I don't like you, like, I'm going to make it hurt more. Because like, it hurts anyway. It hurts anyway. You don't know. You don't know. Um, so Pam, you were saying like being a wife is kind of like a job. Um, but I think like if you're really in love, it's not work. It's not work. Your life is better right? Your life gets better by having a partnership. You're like, what? No. <laughs> you're like, you're full of shit, Stephanie. No, your life gets better. Like having a bad relationship is like a job, but a good relationship is like a mutual, mutually benefit. It's like you're like a coral and a fucking sea slug, you know, and the sea slug is just kind of sitting on the coral and the coral takes minerals from the sea slug. Is that a thing? Did I just make that up? I, I don't... <laughs> I don't think that's real science. I think it's, I think it's more like a lamprey and a shark or something. That might be more, more symbiosis going on. And even then, I think that the lamprey is just chomping on the shark because sharks are expensive. <laughs> I don't know. I, was th I, I enjoyed your ukulele performance. Do you play guitar also? You see, okay, so I was having this thought. Like, you learned to play ukulele. And that involves chords and strumming and strings. So I think with a little bit more work, you could have learned to play guitar. Like, why didn't you? Oh, because it's just not, but not that much, right? Like, you basically got the basics, so I'm just saying, think about that. Like, you'd probably get a lot more respect <laughs> if you just applied the skills that you obviously have. Like, you have it, just, to, just, to just put two ukuleles together, and it's like a guitar, boom, done. I just was thinking about that. Don't quit your day job. Um, but, you know, no, we should all quit our day jobs because day jobs are horrible. They really are. Um, I also was thinking about like the show that I would have, um, like if I wanted to have my own reality show and that could be my job is that I would get a cougar, like the car, and then I would call it cougar cougar. Like, and I'd be a cougar driving my cougar and then I'd just pick up other cougars and like have an interview with them. You know, like, what guys have you fucked today? <laughs> have you fucked any 23 year olds? Tell me about it. Like, did they like it? You know, what are they like? What's it like to fuck a 23 year old? And uh, so it'd be like, you know, cash cab, but with cougars, cougar, cougar. I don't know, it's just an idea. I'm just batting it around. Like when I wanted to do, okay, so when I was a public defender for a while, I was also working in a waxing salon and I wanted to do a show called Pubic Defender. <laughs> A show about a waxer that also, because that would happen to me. That was the weirdest part of my job is that I would go and I'd be in trial during the day and then I would get out of court and I'd go and wax vaginas. <laughs> it was super weird. And once I waxed a DA and I was like, I, we pretended we didn't know each other. It was super weird. It was super weird. Um, okay. So other weird job things. I don't know. Life is a job. Life is a job. And, you know, I, I respect all of you people that are engineers, and I want you to come up with really just amazing apps that will make our lives better, because that seems like a worthy pursuit. <laughs> um, but the, the app that I really want is the one that, like, because I use an app for keeping track of my sex life. And I feel like this, it, but it's not really an app for keeping track of my sex life. It's an app for keeping track of my period, uh, but I repurposed it. Um, <laughs> So, like, instead of, you know, every, there's a time where you keep track of, like, when you're ovulating or when you make, lo make love, you just push a little heart button. And because, like, it's important to keep track of how often you have sex in a long-term relationship uh, because that which is measured 
is managed, right? And and like you you want to you know you want to have sex forever with the person that you're fucking fluid bonded with and committed to because it's a long time that's you're gonna be together. Like you want to keep doing it because otherwise just fuck it, break up. So my boyfriend and I are committed to this. We. I got the app. He's into the app. He's like, let's look at let's look at the numbers. <laughs> and I show him and he's like, we're doing pretty good. Look at all the hearts this month. I must be a pretty good lover. And I'm like, yes, that's right. We're keeping it because the other night we were having sex and I wasn't into it because we're trying to keep the numbers up. And I go, oh, my God, I'm, I'm kind of sorry. I wasn't that into it. And he's like, that's OK. <laughs> And I was like, is it? <laughs> is it? How is that okay? Like, you're fine with that because you want to keep the numbers up too? All right, that's cool. Whatevs. Uh, I felt like I was really in love with him. And then I looked at the app and I realized I was just ovulating. <laughs> Sometimes I tell that joke and I'll look at a, like a dude and, and I'm like, you don't, like there's, there'll be a dude who's just like, and I'm like, do you know what ovulating is? <laughs> And, and then I have to explain that ovulating is the time in a woman's menstrual cycle when she's super horny. <laughs> right? It's like there, you can either kind of think of something or just like let it happen. It's like, oh, I don't have to fantasize about my girlfriend's tits, whatever. It's just like, okay. I, but I don't do that. Of course not. But, um, <laughs> but so, okay, so I explain that. And then it's like, oh, my God, why does my body do this? Like, why can't I just like be horny naturally? It's like, it's like my... my uterus is like saying no have a baby now have it now but then my brain is like don't do that have money right <laughs> and it's like because my they don't communicate it's like they just don't communicate my brain doesn't know how old my eggs are like if it knew it just would leave me alone right because like my uterus it's like all the eggs are good for is like a fucking high-risk pregnancy right now that's it you know I'm just like these eggs should do something else they're still there they roll out I bleed whatever but they should do something else like they should come up and like clean other or like just travel up and like clean out my arteries clean out like maybe clean my contact lenses they get dirty I don't know I could cry what if I just cried eggs <laughs> like I'm a little dry or like they just lubricated my contact lenses that would be awesome or instead of earwax I'd have egg wax I don't I don't know it just seems like they're useless where they are don't they know their days are over no they don't know they just keep going and going and going it doesn't matter they don't care um, like my mom thinks that uh, that I'm beautiful she told me that I could be a model shut up. She's like, I'm like, I know, but I told her that same thing. I was like, you're ridiculous, mom. And she's like, no, Stephanie, you do not have to be obese to be a plus size model. <laughs> you know, and it's, wow. but you know what? She, wow, but what? She's a practical woman, you know, like I'm plus size. Like, yeah, no, I didn't. No, I am. I, it's what the fuck? Like, I don't care the number. Like, I don't like, as long as I can catch a D, I don't care what number is like on my clothes, you know? Like, and it's, uh, my number falls within the plus size. It does not, it's plus size. It's not lumpy size, you know, or, or it's not like dying alone size. It's <laughs> plus size. It's like, I don't care. It's like plus size models are they're fucking gorgeous, you know? It's like, oh, she's a plus size model. She's a plus size, she's plus size, what am I? Not a model, you know? <laughs> like, I, I love plus size models. I follow one on Instagram and someone was like, oh my God, she's so beautiful. Like if only, if only I had fat in all the right places like her. And I'm like, you probably would still be ugly, you know? <laughs> like, come on, there's beautiful and there's ugly and that's just, that's life, that's life. Oops, shit. 
So I'm starting a podcast, or I started it, but um, it is kind of exciting. Um, it's called, you going to eat that? And um, it's based on like hoping that your boyfriend wants to eat the rest of your food so that you don't feel like you're a pig. Um, <laughs> but it's, a, <laughs> it's super relatable, right? Super relatable. And... Um, but it's also about like you know stuff that women do to like maintain their sense of like body image. Like, what do you do? Like, I want to be thin and healthy, so I'm gonna eat nothing but kale, you know. And I'm gonna blog about the kale all month. So it's just about like crazy things that we do as women to um, maintain our sanity or the journey that we're on to like loving our bodies, which is weird because like why is that even a thing, you know? Because like you start out when you're a kid, you're like, oh, it's my body, yay, it's cool, I'm gonna stick shit in it, you know? <laughs> it's <laughs> and that's that's super fun. And then suddenly you get you you go to school or whatever, and then people are like, your body's weird, you're fat, you're skinny, and then you like learn how important it is to really hate your body, you, you know, that this is like whatever it is, like whether you hate it entirely or you go on a rotating, like I hate parts of it, like I hate my legs, I hate my face, I hate my brain, whatever, it's super important that you end up hating it and then you, you get tired of it, so you like struggle, like how can I stop hating it, can I do enough squats, you know, well how many squats can I do, can I do like enough Tabata or like high intensity fitness training like so that I can love it and then you maybe get to a point where you're like, I don't hate it, you know, I don't hate it. Right, and so this is. I think we we're gonna have a good time talking about it. So eventually, I'm gonna deal my house. Yeah, cause uh, uh, I want. I figured I could buy equipment rather than pay a st studio. No offense, uh, but it's harder than it looks. Cause there's a my house has a buzz. There's a buzz, and I can't get rid of the buzz. It's the, it's the cord. It's the eighth inch cord that your phone. The eighth out. inch cord that the I'm. Cord the cord, the microphone cord. You mean like this? Like, cause I got I got good. Because I got, I got good XLR cables, and I got some good RCA cables, and I got a mixer, and I got a thing, and it's just, and then I had another thing that I got rid of the thing because of the buzz, and I thought I needed to get a box. Yeah, you might need a compressor. Yeah, I don't know. Compressor. We'll talk, but anyway. So that's, that's the thing that I'm uh, working on these days is that that will be my job, that I'm going to be the next Mark Marin to like never have to work again because I have such an awesome podcast. Also, I'm working on a podcast uh, that I'm really excited about, and it's not my idea, and I want you all to get in on this because I think there were some good conversations about dating and Tinder. It's a, a show in the style of a 1930s radio show where you just read text messages from your Tinder dates. Wow. It's like, toot, toot, all aboard on the text message express. Nah, time to reach your text messages. Like, even Jason have been dating for six months. Let's see what they have to say. <laughs> toot, toot. I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, full stop. <laughs> I'm definitely going to talk like 23 skidoo. Let's go, people. You know, and the ladies. Will, I don't know. I've just been listening to these 1930s radio shows. They're awesome. Uh, all right. How much time do I have? You've gone for 21. Holy yeah. shit. Okay. Well, then I, I did some jokes and I made some shit up on the spot. And uh, my next, uh, I just want to talk about one other job. <laughs> my first, okay, my first actual job uh, was making ribbons. Uh, or bows, making bows for a customized shit store. Like you go in and you get like a cup with your name on it. Or it was called Especially For You. And this lady, uh, this lady, she like would wear, she looked like kind of like Elizabeth Taylor. She would wear turbans. And she'd say, she'd give me like 
five cents a bow and it was like a bow machine that had like it was like a taffy maker kind of you put the ribbon in and you, this is so fucking boring like this is just not even a good closer like not a good closer yeah and then you make little notches in the center like this i'm just i guess i just want to talk about old world craftsmanship <laughs> the, the kind you just don't get anymore these were just bows that i made by hand as like a nine-year-old and like you just don't get that anymore and i just want to go out on that note all right thanks so much pam thanks for having me this has been awesome yay my strange jobs and jobs so one of the first things i did as a kid uh i i've always been a hustler i don't know if you guys know this but i've always been a hustler and when I was in sixth grade, in our backyard, we had a oak tree. And I used to make my dad cut down the mistletoe from it. And I would put it in plastic bags with a little bit of ribbon. And I would sit outside Long's Drugs and sell it for a dollar a piece at Christmas time. And I was like in fifth grade, and my parents would just leave me in front of a drugstore with a bunch of products, and I'd be making money, and nobody stole me. Like, why didn't anybody take me, right? Like, I was sitting there throughout the entire 80s trying to sell things in front of a grocery store, and no one abducted me. You know, this makes me feel really self-conscious. Like, what's wrong with me? Why didn't you take and abduct me and molest me? Why do I have to be a virgin till I'm 20? It might have been better if you would have sold me into some sex slavery. I'd be a lot less vanilla. You know what I mean? Maybe I could have had a, a real job and paid for sex. Uh, yay, this has been my favorite X job. Yay, yay. Thank you to all of our performers tonight. And um, yeah, hang out. We're, I mean, we're, we'll just, we can hang out or you guys can go wherever you need to go. It's all cool. Jonathan's sleeping upstairs. He's in, <laughs> we're good. Yeah, he went upstairs to sleep on the fluffy things. Oh, shh, there's nothing up there. There's no place to sleep up there. We would never. Oh, people, no, I'm just not even, I'm not even a. Open the gate on that one. Um, thanks again to David, Sun Tzu, Kershaw for running the ones and twos. Thank you guys for all being here. Uh, this has been Pam Tess's Comedy Clubhouse. See you next Friday for my strange ex relationship. Oh, man. It's going to be crazy. Yay! she likes to perform uh, with the snake on stage and, and even you know hold it quite a bit during her her performance and uh, during the second song she ac accidentally stepped on the snake's tail uh, the snake bit her on the thigh uh, she was offered an antidote from the snake handler but she refused uh, and at first she didn't seem affected by it and uh, you know she thought oh you know I guess she was thinking that she had uh, the king cobra she had was defanged. She was told that you know 
finally it was safe and obviously it wasn't because after about 45 minutes of performing she collapsed and died after seizing and vomiting. I hope they got their money back. That would be one hell of a performance. Shaggy Soul Shakedown on Mutiny Radio.
This is Shaggy Soul Shakedown on Mutiny Radio. All right, last week uh, this will be our this will make up for our marijuana section of our program. Uh, last week I was talking about how the DEA had promised to re- check into rescheduling marijuana uh, from a Schedule One to a Schedule Two drug, and um, unfortunately. Obama has failed yet again. Uh, I've trumpeted a couple of times of as how he promised during his uh, first campaign that he would not use federal money to go after medicinal clubs, and he did. He did so more than George Bush in his full eight years. He busted more marijuana medicinal medicinal marijuana shops uh, than George Bush. 
Um, and in typical political fashion, he decided that any uh, anything that comes to him uh, this year concerning the rescheduling of marijuana would be bypassed uh, in this election year. He does not want to cost Democrats votes. Uh, let's see here. The, um, the original intent, I, I, this is something I didn't touch on before. Now, the original intent for these uh, for this scheduling one of marijuana was actually an intent, uh, an attack uh, on the culture of hippies and blacks in order to uh, imprison them more. Um, they, uh, you know, they felt like these groups, these, uh, yeah, these groups in our society were gaining too much power with the uh, Black Panthers and the and just the overall Black Power movement. Uh, you know, once they reached civil rights in the 60s and uh, you know, started demanding more rights and an end to institutional racism. Uh, the uh, government decided to do something about it. Same with the hippies. All of a sudden, you know, peace, love, and happiness actually started becoming a thing. And so the government under Nixon decided to criminalize marijuana and make it so that it could not be used in any medicinal form. It could not be studied in any way to as to the benefits to our society and they uh, shoved it up there and you know made it even more illegal in cocaine cocaine is a schedule two drug meaning it can be studied and used all all they want because you know the elite white people were using cocaine you know whereas anybody can smoke marijuana so yeah if, if any kids are listening run out of the room in Five, four, three, two, one. So Obama, thanks, but no thanks, and fuck you very much.
You're listening to Shaggy's Soul Shakedown on Mutiny Radio FM. This is in honor of Henry Mancini's birthday today. brings us to our first poem of the evening. This elephant in my room has crushed more than I could ever remember I held. I will just have to sweep up out the pieces and start fresh 